Hi, I'm Callie. I'm Clarissa. And I'm Isha. And we're Best Buds. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Best Buds. After last week's chaotic episode, we're back with another planned one, um, Go Us, uh, (laughs) because we're on spring break right now. Well, you won't be on spring break by the time you hear this, but we are on spring break as of recording. Uh, This week, we wanted to tackle the concept of political correct... eh. This week, we wanted to tackle the concept of political correctness, cancel culture, and how these are perceived by those of different political ideations. For those of you who don't know, political correctness is this idea that people need to say things that won't offend others, and I think is usually used by conservatives in a negative way to imply that people are trying to stop free speech. Um, Cancel culture is this phenomenon where people collectively decide to quote-unquote cancel something, whether that be a person or a company, by stopping support or calling them out, especially on social media. And just as a disclaimer, as per usual with all of our more political episodes, um, we all, all three of us have very similar political views, and we're not going to try to be biased because it's just hard. We're just kind of ranting as usual. Um, But for this episode, we're basing a lot of our ideas off of two articles that we read. So one is from NPR called Politically Correct, how the phrase has gone from wisdom to weapon. And the other one is from The Guardian, and it's called Political Correctness, How the Right Invented a Phantom Enemy. So both of these articles are written in 2016 and really center around Trump's election to the presidency. But even though he's out of office, thank God, we still thought the conversation is really relevant today. So when I was thinking about this, one of the things that started this conversation around political correctness and cancel culture was the whole issue about like Dr. Seuss being canceled. So for those of you who don't know, um, Dr. Seuss's publishing house recently decided to pull six of his books, which no one has heard of, by the way, from the shelves because they had really racist depictions of Asian people and Black people, etc. And a lot of people, mostly right wing, are upset that Dr. Seuss is being quote unquote canceled. But honestly, like my personal opinion, I think this issue is really silly. Like. I don't think there's any reason to get upset about six books that nobody's heard about. And honestly, like Dr. Seuss was racist as heck, but nobody's denying the fact that he was a really, really great writer as well. And he contributed a lot to the classic like American childhood literature. And we can hold both of those truths side by side. So um, yeah, I think the most interesting thing though is how a lot of conservatives are blaming liberals or blaming Biden for again quote-unquote canceling Dr. Seuss when it was you know the decision of his publishing house and politics had nothing to do with it. I think that this also has to do in part with the fact that these books and like the controversy surrounding them are representative of a broader tactic that's associated with condemning political correctness in the first place. Um, And it's kind of like a distraction, like the way they take these books and magnify them falsely under the scrutiny of a recent movement towards dismantling racist systems and belief is kind of a big F you to a sociocultural shift towards like, empathy and compassion for like other people's experiences and <laughs> that's what censuring political correctness is it's distorting this idea of acting with compassion and empathy for others into a weak political agenda and i think the guardian article summed this up pretty well um they called this idea of political correctness being like a phantom enemy for the right wing 
and they've convinced like people who believe that political correctness is like a bad thing they just convinced everyone that there's a problem when there really isn't one like i genuinely don't understand what's wrong with being like politically <laughs> so actually on a more concrete example like actually today i was on facebook and so like we planned this yesterday right and then there was a post about like canceling Dr. Seuss or whatever. And it was someone who like apparently subscribes to Ted Cruz's mailing list. And he sent an email like basically using Dr. Seuss being quote unquote canceled to fundraise. He was like, cancel culture has gone too far. Uh, Dr. Seuss is so important. If you give me $60, I'll send you a signed copy of Green Eggs and Ham. And everyone in the comments were like, that book wasn't even like taken off of like the publishing list. Like he's just trying to like fundraise. And I feel like it goes Ed back Cruz? to what? Ed Cruz was Ed doing Cruz, that? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he wanted $60 for a signed children's book. To be fair though, even though Dr. Seuss is racist, I do love Green Eggs and Ham. That is a nice book. And they have a nice Netflix show that they made out of it. It's very good, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Just a plug for Green Eggs and Ham, the Netflix show. Continue. <laughs> but do not pay $60 for Ted Cruz to sign uh, no. a copy for you. <laughs> But yeah, um, I liked the tweet at the end of the NPR article from Lindy West, um, and she said, now that we've covered alt-right equals white supremacists, can we go back to calling political correctness and identity politics civil rights? What's wrong with treating everyone with kindness and compassion? But also in relation to books, I feel like it's important to point out that I feel like book banning is something that's associated more with conservatives and book banning has been around for like a long time where people prevent kids from reading books with certain messages like a sex scene or people that they don't approve of like certain types of identities um i made a documentary on it in eighth grade and i remember one of her interviewees talking about like a more ridiculous case that she got where basically someone tried to ban curious george because in one book he went to the hospital and he's like a monkey right so he like goes crazy and he drinks a bunch of ether not knowing what it is and he passes out um, and then that person wanted to ban Curious George because she thought that he was a stoner. And I feel like there's definitely like this battle in terms of the books we give to our children to push certain ideals and to hide others. Uh, and like, of course, I think that not letting our children read racist books is so basic that it shouldn't have been a partisan debate, but <laughs> this is America. But I feel like it's an important point to make that, you know, like people do there is this like ideological battle over what books we're giving to our kids. I think it reminded me specifically of when we talked about reading Huck Finn in mm. high school. Um, and that book is very overtly racist, right? You have books mm -hmm. like Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad and Huck Finn, which are like very clearly racist books, but like we still teach them in the classroom. So like there's also this battle between like banning the book completely and contextualizing it in our education to the point where we can teach the books in their historical context and like kids can understand that this is what it was like and why that was wrong. I feel like that's mm -hmm. also maybe like a more valuable approach than just like like banning <laughs> a book completely because it's racist like might as well teach kids like why it was bad instead of like banning it with no explanation because like I don't know. 
that's also something I was thinking about too but Mm -hmm. I mean to be fair I guess Huck Finn is a different like age category than books like Dr. Seuss and Curious George um but also I was when I was looking up the Dr. Seuss thing I saw this one article where they said that um people were again like people wanted to ban Curious George because they said it was like a white man adopting a monkey which felt racist or they wanted to ban like Babar the elephant book because it was like about like imperialism and colonialism um which is kind of interesting because then that would be like more the left wing trying to ban those books right it takes on a more left-wing approach um but another example is like I think some people wanted to uh get rid of I forgot her name, like, Little House on the Prairie. Oh, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah, because, like, they had some racist depictions of Native Americans in them. I don't know. I guess it goes both ways. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think is pretty interesting, because, like, even though Dr. Seuss falls into an age category that's meant for younger kids, like, I don't see what's wrong with starting that conversation mm. when they're really young. Like, the thing, basically, what you're trying to teach them is, like, to act with kindness and compassion for other people, and that's a basic thing that, like, every kid should learn, even if you don't understand, like, the racial undertones of it, or, like, the complexities associated with maybe a book like Huck Finn or Heart of Darkness, right? So, I don't know. That's just my take on it, um, but I think, like, there's there's something to be learned even in books that are bad or teach bad things as long as you contextualize it in the right way so on like another note or like a broader note um i feel like i see a lot of comments on facebook posts of conservatives calling liberals like quote-unquote sensitive snowflakes or saying that cancel culture has gone too far like the ted cruz email i saw today Um, so i definitely think that this is still a relevant issue um even outside of dr seuss uh, i feel like this disgust with cancel culture and political correctness has definitely become a political divide that can characterize liberals and conservatives. Like I know personally, when I see those comments about liberals being too sensitive, I feel a wave of annoyance and I immediately assume that person is a conservative. Mm -hmm. And it like definitely is a party line thing, but as a very left-wing person, I also just feel like so annoyed when people are shitting on other people for being too quote unquote unsensitive. Like that's, on an interpersonal level, that's just gaslighting and a total lack of empathy. And like, we've been talking about this before, but like if a significant other or a friend told you that you were being too sensitive, that'd be like a major red flag in that relationship. So I, I feel like this whole being liberals being too sensitive is just a very large scale gaslighting and like invalidating other people's emotions and thoughts. And it basically just shuts down what could be a productive conversation. And Uh, Yeah, like, yeah, like, um, I feel like when people bring up, like, valid concerns and other people just say, you're just being too sensitive, just get over it, they're not listening to what the other person has to say, and they're not engaging in the conversation, even if it's, like, difficult to admit that you've made a mistake, if that's the situation, but it's just so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When someone says someone else is being too sensitive, that actually is saying I'm not empathetic enough to understand how they could feel this way. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying and listening, I'm just going to insist that they're overreacting. So the blame is on them and not me. Like, it's basically like, like, 
what is it like throwing responsibility onto someone else instead of like acknowledging how you could listen better or see mm-hmm. that this could be a problem yeah and I was just like since when did sensitivity become like a bad thing I don't know like if someone offends someone else it's likely for a reason so who are we to judge people for being too sensitive what like what does that even mean so (laughs) also I feel like a lot of the debate on cancel culture and political correctness actually stems from this belief in freedom of speech and the sense that freedom is being infringed upon by the need to not offend others like I like the way that NPR put it um so they said quote the phrase has driven contentious debates in which free speech and free choice are pitted against civility and inclusion, end quote. However, I think that there's an important distinction to draw here. I feel like we've talked about this before on the podcast, but freedom <laughs> of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. So like you have the technical right to say whatever you want, as in the government won't censor you saying that, but that doesn't mean that your opinion can't cause harm to other people. And that also doesn't mean that you can't be punished for causing that harm. Like, I think before on the podcast, like, the example I gave was, like, you can call your boss, like, a big fat meanie, but, like, your boss has the full right to fire you for saying that. And, like, while it's impossible to completely avoid offending people, there's another distinction to draw here, which is that there's a difference between saying something that denies a person's identity or paints them as a lesser person, um, and expressing an opinion that someone may disagree with. And like, I feel like that line can be fuzzy at times. Generally, it's pretty clear when you're expressing your right to free speech um, instead of saying something offensive or saying something racist. Um, So that line is pretty much just having enough empathy to realize what you're saying is cruel and could hurt someone else and that your intentions are not like purely just to express yourself. And like for a concrete example, in both of the articles that we referenced, it talked about this one incident where a Fox News host pointed out how Trump has said some like really disgusting things about women. And he just basically said, quote, I think the big problem this country has is being, I was trying, I was debating whether or not to say this in a Trump accent, but I don't think I can pull it off. So I'm just going to say it regularly. I think the big problem this country has is being politically correct. I frankly don't have time for pol- for total political correctness, but it's like literally just an excuse for saying these like disgusting, horrible things about women. And he said that and like the whole audience was just applauding, which is terrifying to know that people can support a man who says these kinds of things about 50% of the population and just call it like freedom of speech, which is so annoying. Yeah, and, like, the fact that he said that, like, I don't have time for total political correctness, like, what do you mean you don't have time? Like, it took him more time to say those things than it did to keep his, like, big fat mouth shut. (laughs) Like, I feel like the entire argument against political correctness is just an excuse to ignore very valid concerns. Like, like we said, instead of listening, it's basically just, yeah, well, your argument is dumb because I should be allowed to offend whoever I want, and I shouldn't have to take the time to think about how my words could affect someone else because I don't care about anyone else. It's just like this blatant disregard for other people. And that, that's all that that statement says. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but honestly, like, what is it with America and its obsession with freedom? Like, there's such a big culture around individuality and freedom and American exceptionalism 
American exceptionalism. And honestly, I feel like a lot of things just come down to that argument that like we live in a free country so people can do whatever they want and they can say whatever they want and not face any consequences. But it takes, it definitely takes a certain level of privilege, a very high level of privilege to actually believe that America is the land of the free. And, you know, for some people, it's just been the historical truth. It's been the truth for them throughout their lives and it's been the truth for their ancestors and their families. But they just assume that it's the same for everyone else because that's all they know, but it's not the same for everyone else. Yeah, I think with this privilege, there comes this sense of like a crooked conscious conscience almost. Like, like you have a distorted view of like how the world works and you use that to justify your own like beliefs and attitudes towards things which is why people mm -hmm. are so like caught up in like political correctness because they're just incapable of seeing things from another person's point of view but i i was digging through my family's group chat and anika sent this comic strip which i think summarized like our country's obsession with the first amendment and freedom of speech really well and i think clarissa touched on a lot of this when she was talking before but basically they said the right to free speech means the government can't arrest you for what you say it doesn't mean that anyone else has to listen to your bullshit or host you while you share it the first amendment doesn't shield you from criticism or consequences if you're yelled at boycotted have your show canceled your free speech rights aren't being violated it's just that the people listening to you think you're an asshole and they're showing you the door and like that's the that's the sort of rhetoric that like our previous administration touted like all four years of his presidency right that like i can say whatever i want and like no one's gonna come at me for it because i have the right to say whatever i want but that doesn't necessarily mean you have the right to say what, whatever you want without any consequence something interesting though i just thought of this is you know the aclu like i feel like they're very well known for being like a civil rights organization. And I feel like they definitely have a more left-wing reputation, but their whole thing is like, they argue or they try to protect the freedom of speech. So that they work a lot on the first amendment, but with that, they have also represented some really morally questionable things. Like they've, I think they've represented the KKK, they've represented, um, I don't know, some religious organization where there was some like, pedophilia involved question mark uh, this was just i don't know if this is like entirely true but i was looking on their website when i was applying to an internship there and i think the whole thing was just like we want to protect freedom of speech no matter who's expressing that speech so they're nonpartisan. but i just think it's interesting that it goes both ways okay and then i also while we were planning this episode wanted to read some articles to hear what the right wing are, is saying about political correctness. And according to The Atlantic, well, I found this article, I don't think it's like super right-wing. It was more talking about statistics and like surveys on what Americans think about political correctness. And a surprising amount of people oppose the idea. Um, I think a full 80% said that they believe political correctness is a problem in our country. And a lot of people feel like alienated by this quote unquote woke culture. And I thought this, quote from this one guy in Oklahoma is really interesting and he said it seems like you wake up uh sorry it seems like every day you wake up and something has changed do you say Jew or Jewish is it a black guy African-American you are on your toes because you never know what to say so political 
correctness in that sense is scary. But I think we um, see the intersection between political correctness and cancel culture. Like if you say something that's not politically correct, you're automatically canceled. But there's also a difference between the terminology you use and the ideas you're conveying. Like, like we were talking about, it goes back to the idea of intent and whether or not you're like purely expressing your opinions or trying to harm somebody else because of it. And, you know, it's hard to argue that you have malicious intent if you say Black instead of African-American, vice versa. But that's like a very different story compared to Trump blatantly and publicly sexualizing women and then trying to defend himself by arguing that those concerns are just like because of political correctness culture. Um, so I, I definitely see how um, Americans think that political culture is like, or sorry, political correctness is scary and goes too far if you're like canceling people for the terminology they use. Um, as long as it's not like a slur, you know, that's, that's a different story as well. Um, but another thing about the Atlantic article, it said, a majority of Americans hold a more nuanced point of view. They abhor racism, but they don't think that the way we now practice political correctness represents a promising way to overcome racial justice. And I guess I can see that point if they're arguing that terminology is political correctness rather than ideas. And going off of that, oh. I mean, I feel like that's also kind of how the right wing has portrayed it though, right? Like to make mm -hmm. it into this enemy, like you make one tiny misstep and your whole career is ruined. Like that's like a scary thought when, I mean, that shouldn't be what it is, right? Like it should be a conversation to keep people, like to hold people accountable for what they're saying and the ideas that they're expressing, mm -hmm. not necessarily nitpicking like little terms that they use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember in my first Asian American studies class, this girl like raised her hand and she was talking and we were talking about like the Japanese American internment camps. And she called, she said the Japs instead of Japanese or Japanese Americans. And like the whole class just kind of like froze up a little bit. And Dr. Park was like, hold on, wait, what did you just say? And he was like, oh, that was a, an offensive term used to refer to Japanese Americans during like World War II era. And she was like, oh, sorry, I apologize. I didn't know that. And then she corrected herself and like continued the conversation. So that was like, I think that was a good example of terminology versus ideas. Um, and then like in relation to political correctness and cancel culture. So we wanted to focus more on cancel culture. So um, here we have a question. So do we think that cancel culture can go too far? And I feel like there's more nuance with cancel culture because sometimes people get canceled for like one thing they said. Um, and like, yes, they made a mistake and they said a bad offensive thing. But ultimately, I think the goal is we want people to learn from their mistakes and be better um, rather than just like declaring that one mistake has ended them and they're a horrible person and they'll never change. Um, also, since we're so digital now, the internet means that one mistake has this chance to blow up and become a very big deal. Well, before, maybe your friends would have just corrected you in person. They would have said, oh, you can't say that. And you would have, you know, adjusted to that instead of having, like, the whole world know. Like, mm -hmm. at the same time, though, there are also people who deserve to be publicly called out and boycotted, etc. Because, uh, because of a clear pattern in perpetrating certain ideas like racism or sexual violence. So, yeah, like, I don't know where we draw the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, like, really hard to know, like when people deserve sympathy and forgiveness and when they just need to live with the consequences. Like, I feel like, especially on TikTok, I've seen a lot of things where 
somebody will post something that's like objectively not okay that's like very racist but people will like stalk their social media and find out what like what school they go to and then people will be like sending emails to their schools to their principals and like if they get into college they'll like send the information to the colleges and then they get the college offers rescinded and i'm like they shouldn't have done that but i also feel bad that they're not going to college because of one video you know i'm like they're kids <laughs> yeah i feel like that's also why cancel culture is so nuanced and conflicting because like even within people who agree that something is objectively bad and that person made a mistake and they shouldn't have said that um, do we know if it's objectively bad enough to ruin that person's life? And I feel like that line is hard to draw and everyone has a different line for that. So it's really hard to like decide collectively what, like whether someone should be canceled or like quote unquote canceled or not mm -hmm. because everyone has a different threshold for like, you know, like justice, I guess. Yeah. And like the consequences of being called out and canceled on social media can be very severe and large scale. And then there's a whole question of like whether or not it's productive in trying to get people to acknowledge their mistakes and like change their behavior. So kind of going off of that, there's this, um, I guess, thing, I don't know what to call it, but people are calling other people in rather than calling people out. So the difference is like calling out is a lot more confrontational and creates tension. And like we were talking about with like the high school girls who are posting whatever, doesn't really give them a chance to acknowledge their mistakes. So calling people in like acknowledges that there's a difference in understanding and like asks people to have a productive conversation about it so that they can like gain new understandings and reflect on their words and actions. And we should aim to call out the behavior while calling in the person. So like stating that their behaviors are not okay, but still acknowledging that the person is capable of growth and change. So I guess this is like the more productive and forgiving version of cancel culture. But then again, like the question is who deserves to have this? And then who has the right to judge who, who deserves calling in versus calling out? And then there's a whole thing where calling in requires a level of emotional maturity on like each party's end too because reflection and admitting mistakes is definitely not an easy thing for anyone to do so i guess that like the whole calling in method doesn't work for just everyone on another recent note um switching gears again uh, <laughs> so a big topic in the news these days at least npr which i started listening to after callie talked about it two episodes ago uh, yes <laughs> Um, is Andrew Cuomo and the calls for his resignation. So people want him to resign for several reasons. First, uh, six women at the time of recording, I think, have come forward and accused him of sexual harassment and assault. Um, there are a range of accusations from him grabbing a staff member's breast um, after he asked her to come over to his house for like some reason or other for her job. Um, and then to him asking inappropriate sexual questions of his staff members. Um, and the second reason is because he covered up nursing home deaths to justify shoving more old people into them and then gave the nursing homes a blanket protection from being sued. So a lot of prominent politicians have called for him to resign, like um, AOC and Chuck Schumer. Um, two days ago, though, Cuomo refused to resign, saying he would, quote, not bow to cancel culture. I feel like it's important to note this because Cuomo is a Democrat. So 
it's not necessarily just a conservative thing. I feel like it goes back to this idea of making cancel culture and political correctness an enemy as a way of excusing your actions. So this is what like, this is just a strategy that people in power use <laughs> to get out of like responsibility. And like Cuomo has been accused of sexual assault by six separate women, all of whom have had very similar themes in their stories. And it also like matches with a lot of what other staffers have said, just about mm -hmm. like how he uses power in general, how he bullies other people, how he has this general belief that um, he's above the rule, then he can break them and it's okay. Um, and instead of addressing these like very valid reasons that he's being quote unquote canceled for, um, he's just pinning it all on cancel culture to evade responsibility. But like Isha said like earlier, like if people are offended, there's usually a reason, right? If he's being quote unquote canceled, like there is a reason. And instead of addressing that, he's just like using this broad excuse. And I feel like it's a very common thread, uh, regardless of political ideation, where people just blame cancel culture for the consequences of their own actions. Mm -hmm. I feel like every time I listen to the news, it's just Andrew Cuomo digging himself into like a deeper and deeper hole. Like I think the other day, one of his assistants or another was calling a bunch of, I don't, I don't remember, but they were like political workers, whether they were like in, in the New York legislature or something along those lines. But he was basically calling them to like see how loyal they are to Cuomo and being like, hey, you know, you should, you should back our governor. Um, so that was, he's just, he's just getting himself into a big mess at this point. I don't know, what I found funny on NPR was that they were talking about how, like, literally everyone has said that women are required to wear heels in Cuomo's office, and they're like, he hasn't denied many things, but the one thing he denied is that women have to wear heels in his office, and they're like, that's such, like, a specific thing that he chose <laughs> to go against, that, like, that one wasn't even, like, a disputed thing, like, everyone agreed that it was true. <laughs> Yeah, you guys were talking about earlier how, like, cancel culture is only productive when people are able to, like, learn from the, their mistakes. And the fact that he's not even coming forward and apologizing for these very valid, like, accusations, and he's just defending, going on the defensive, like, I mean, I don't know. He just lose respect. Yeah, but I need to be canceled. <laughs> That's my two cents. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he was saying things like, I feel like at first he was like, oh yeah, I um, have a certain behavior or demeanor around some of my staff members and I apologize if that like offended anyone. But it's also like, it's like saying, I'm sorry that you're upset about something that I did, right? It's just gaslighting at its finest. <laughs> it's not only saying, I'm sorry that you're upset for something that I did, but like it's going a step further and saying, but here's the reasons why I'm in the right. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but like, I'm also not sorry because you're <laughs> actually right. So like, <sighs> you don't actually believe what you're saying or what you're apologizing for. And that's like more insincere than even apologizing in the first place. So. Yeah. And then in his quote unquote apology, he also like perpetuated a bunch of ideas about victim blaming in terms of like, sexual assault where he was like well like people have a lot of reasons for coming forward like I don't think that we should um like make a governor resign just based on like hearsay so far like there are no facts and I was like six women have come forward with similar stories like is that not solid enough for you and he was just like basically dismissing them as like coming forward for like attention or whatever mm -hmm. this is why we hate men 
<laughs> the worst. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if I'll, I'll end up including this. This is just like a thought that I have, but like we talked a lot about cancel culture and political correctness along party lines. And Clarissa said that he's a Democrat. So it's not just like a, dem a liberal versus conservative issue, but it's anyone with like any amount of privilege that they believe that they can justify like their position and justify their insincerity or like lack of empathy and compassion. So it's like men in this, in this case, he's like a straight white man who can, who is in some position of power and privilege, right? So. So thanks for listening to us again, echo each other about political correctness and cancel culture. Again, we are very biased and we acknowledge that. Um, but feel free to message us your thoughts, whether you agree or disagree, and especially if you disagree, because that would be a very interesting conversation. Um, as always, remember to follow our Instagram for updates at pod.bestbuds, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye.